ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This show is where I sit down with the world's top creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, and I unpack actionable insights with the goal of helping you live your dreams in career, in hobby, and in life. These people are smart, and they will help you live your dreams. My guest on the show today is the Amanda Crew. I am so psyched to have Amanda on the show. Amanda, if you're going to know who she is as soon as I mention that she is the leading female on the show Silicon Valley. She's an actress best known for Monica on that HBO series, which I love this series in part because it it lovingly skewers tech culture, but in a very, very accurate way. If you haven't seen the show, please do yourself a favor. Season four kicks off here in just a couple weeks on April 23rd. But of course, like all success stories, her career goes back many, many years. Uh, she's appeared in a ton of shows and movies like Smallville, Final Destination, Life as We Know It. This show, Silicon Valley, though, creator Mike Judge is the creator. And of course, Mike tapped Amanda to be a part of the show. Mike's previous work includes Beavis and Butthead, King of the Hill, Office Space, and Idiocracy, among many others. So you know it's super high quality. Manda crushes. She is so funny. We actually, we met via Twitter. And when I finally saw her in the hallway right before we recorded, it was like it was like a high school reunion. It was so joyful. We touch on so much good stuff here in this episode and a lot of stuff, frankly, that I wasn't expecting to get into. If you do think this show you know, might be just inside baseball about actual Silicon Valley, the place, or the show, it's not. Super interesting about this is that Amanda deals with so many of the same things. I mean, she's on a hit show. They're in their fourth or fourth season. But she has dealt with so much of the same stuff that you've heard from other people on the show. Imposter syndrome, this, the sort of post-success hangover, the idea that we are, are all hyphens now in this day and age. And so many of the challenges that come with that. Plus a bunch of other themes that you'll recognize as popular on this show. I love hearing how each guest grapples with these things, and Amanda is in a, a playful and so funny, <laughs> so funny. She does such a good job of peeling back the layers of the onions. Uh, in this episode, we talk about Amanda as a hyphen. She's also a photographer, which is another way that we connected pretty deeply. Her work is inspiring. If you go to her website, you'll see some of her work and some of her sort of acting accolades, but the fact that there's a big body of photography there, I love that. Um, it also took her a while to give herself permission to be more than an actor. Um, she talks about overcoming that, the social biases around it. There's a lot of good stuff around the psychology that we all deal with as creatives. Um, she also talks about a low point in her career a handful of years ago uh, when the recession hit and it timed with the writer's strike uh, and when one of her movies flopped. It was a big movie and in the wake of that, she didn't work for almost two years. So she delves deeply into how she rebuilt her career from scratch while you know staying alive and staying in the game. So inspirational and also really insightful because we've all hit hard parts in our career. Uh, we also get into the phenomena of what's next as an actor. That's a constant thing. And as a, a whether you're a photographer, a designer, an entrepreneur, there's always something more that you should be doing. 
And she looks at that through the lens of how to wrap a season in one show. And then there's this like goal point, like, oh my God, what's next? Do you panic? How do you decide what your next project that you'll take on is? It's not so easy for a lot of people to answer these questions. She's incredibly articulate. I'll, I'll, this is a disclaimer. There's a little bit of foul mouth in here. We kind of, we have, um, let's just say we're very expressive in this episode. But with that, we should probably get into the show so you can hear for yourself before we do a quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Chase Jarvis Live Show is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education. And right now you're saying, wait a minute, isn't that the company that you started? Yes, it is. It is my company, but they make this show possible. And if you don't know anything about Creative Live, you must check it out. It's where Pulitzer Prize winners, New York Times bestsellers, the best of the best teach photo, video, art design, music and audio, craft and maker, and the ability to make a living and a life in all of those disciplines. There is free content there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And there's also more than 10,000 hours of content for you to access on demand. You guys know I'm a huge believer in the power of daily habits. And today, Creative Live, as a part of the sponsor announcement, wants you to know that they have a new, very powerful way to make education a part of your daily routine. That would be the Creative Live iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV apps. They're all free, and they let you watch all of the Creative Life classes that are on air streaming for free, anything you already own, and on the iPhone and iPad apps, you can watch one daily lesson of your choosing for free. That is one of 25,000 lessons for free, which is super, <laughs> super gnarly. To get those apps, go to the App Store, uh, iTunes, and search Creative Live, or go to creativelive.com slash apps. There you go. Now, let's get into the show. What's up? What up? You have the squeakiest chair ever. <laughs> I do. I know. This is like, this is professional sound quality. But I was very impressed with that intro. Thank you. I would never be able to do that. Well, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I heard that. Folks at home, it's not me. It's not a bubbly stomach. That's my chair. We're going to celebrate it. Actually, speaking of chair, we are in an amazing location I want to give a shout out to. Los Angeles, not really Los Angeles. This particular room is Howard Hughes' office. Which I still don't believe. You don't believe it. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have someone validate it okay. before we leave here. No, shout out to my friends at 72 and Sunny who are giving us this amazing room. And here to celebrate you, new season of Silicon Valley yeah. coming out. That show totally fucking rocked my world when it came out. <laughs> I'm in the middle of that. I'm like, I've got a startup with Creative Live. You probably know about that. And mm -hmm. living that Silicon Valley thing from, as an outsider, born and raised in Seattle, I've come down here and it's a thing. It's like you guys freaking nailed it. Yeah, well, I spent a lot of time writing it. So yes. I'm really, I, I appreciate that you <laughs> appreciate my research. <laughs> Thank you. You guys have done a great job. But I, I do want to give you a shout out. I love the show. And there's a specific reason that I... Well, I've gravitated towards you and your comedy and you as a personality on that show for a number of reasons, one of which is you are, until last season, you were the lone female. Which, <laughs> the lone soldieress. <laughs> but I, it's incredible. Like, I, and I know um, Silicon Valley has that backstory behind it, mm -hmm. and probably there's some reasoning in there, but you rock. I'm always looking for strong female ass kickers and you were leading the pack. So yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. It's been a weird ride being the the lone female. I mean, now I have Suzanne Cryer playing my boss and so she's another 
woman up there with me. But she's funny as shit. She's too. so fucking she's good. funny. She's, she's good. so so good, and she's just such an amazing human being. But yeah, it's been a really weird. Like when the show first came out, obviously it was getting a lot of flack for like not having any women. And um, Mike Judge and Alec Berg, who create, created the show and run it, were talking about how you know it's a satire, and we're like making fun of Silicon Valley, and there are no women in tech, and that's why that was like a choice. Um, but it was this weird thing where I was just getting so much attention for being the face of women in tech, which was like a really uncomfortable. You're like I'm Canadian, we just yeah. got we just got like phones. Yeah, we live in igloos. What's tech? <laughs> Um, and, uh, so yeah, it was kind of, it's kind of an interesting ride. It, it made me uncomfortable at first, to be honest, yeah. of being kind of like all of that attention of like, suddenly I'm the spokesperson for Did you get, how did you deflect that? Did you just like, I, um, or not deflect it? How'd you respond and own yeah, it? Yeah. It, it's kind of been an evolution and I'm still kind of growing with it. At first it made me feel really small, to be honest, because yeah. a lot of the interviews, it just was. I felt like I was just reduced to my gender. Yeah. You know, it was just like, what's it like being the only girl with a bunch of guys? And I'm yeah. like, that, so that's all you see me yeah. as is right. just the girl. The token. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so I chose to kind of educate myself more on, on that world. And it's been fun because now I'm actually, I've started investing in some companies myself. Nice. Um, and, uh, and so that's been like a great way to kind of empower my myself. But uh yeah, it's 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 been it's been an interesting an interesting journey. I can I can bet. So, by my asking you that question, am, am I then? Pandering? No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, because you didn't phrase it in a way. It's it's mainly. <laughs> am I in your shot? <laughs> <laughs> There's no woman here. Um, no, it's it's mainly. It would actually be like a lot of the times on the carpet for the show, like yeah. for each season. Um, you know, the every single person that interviewed me. Even the women, it was just always the first question of, yeah. "What's it like being yeah. like on a show with a bunch of guys?" And it's just like, yeah. "Is that really your fucking question for yeah. me? That's all you can think of." And the thing that would get me so frustrated was that everyone was just focusing on that, and no one would talk about the fact that Mike and Alec had created a female character who wasn't the love interest, mm-hmm. um, who wasn't the sex symbol. She was smart, intelligent, confident, successful, and no one would focus on that. And yeah. To this day, Monica has never been the the love interest, and yeah. that's rare for a TV show for yeah. a woman not to be the love interest. Oh, for so legitimately, that's what you just characterized. I'm going to let myself off the hook here. That's that's to me why the character is interesting, right? And strong and smart, and um, and I think it does a really it's it's an interesting balance that you guys have struck on the show. First of all, the show's fucking unbelievably <laughs> funny. But there's some real chords that get that get hit. The undercurrent, having, you know, being building a company in Silicon Valley, having mm-hmm. investors, you, all that vernacular. All, my my wife Kate can't watch the show because she's we like we get that a lot. They she's say, like she's horrified because she's lived all of those nightmares. Like it's way too uncomfortable yeah. to watch because yeah. you're hitting way too close to home. Yeah, it's so <laughs> accurate. But um, I just. The, the way you play Monica, I think, is spectacular. I wish I could be half the woman that Monica is. She's just so fucking together. I, I, it's the, been the one job where I actually go through hair and makeup and get into my wardrobe where it feels like a swan effect. Where I'm like, oh, I am now uh-huh. a woman. Because <laughs> I'm such a tomboy and like such a, like a mess in life. Not a mess, but I just, I don't, I don't put that much effort into those things. And then 
it's the hair, the makeup, the business skirt, and then she's just like so well spoken. She snaps right to it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I think you you do a remarkable job playing Thank her. It's you. really really fun. Uh, but this is not your first rodeo. No. Let's go this back. Canadian's been around for a while. That's right. A, I love Canadians. <laughs> That's a funny thing to say. Not so funny, funny. But I have born and raised in Seattle. Right. I, I have a. I was. I've been you know going up to BC for basically my entire life. Um, I identify deeply with the the balance. I, and you guys got Trudeau for God's sakes. For God's sakes, the most sexiest man alive, like, and just like a gentle spirit. Yeah, and so <laughs> smart and talented, and boy, do we miss that. <laughs> And Boy, do we miss yeah. that. Um, but talk to me about your, you know, we're in L.A., sunny mm -hmm. L.A. It's about 250 degrees in this room that we're in right now. <laughs> we are sweating. <laughs> we are sweating. <laughs> but journey from Canada, from, um, you, you called yourself not put together. Yeah. Not, not put together Canada <laughs> to starring on an HBO series that's just in its fourth season. Yeah, we just finished our fourth season, yeah. Um, yeah, I, so I grew up in Vancouver, not far from Seattle, uh -huh. but a small town in Vancouver, uh, Langley. I got in trouble when <laughs> the first time I was on a nighttime show, I was on Jimmy Kimmel, and I, uh, I said that I was from Langley, where the slogan, the slogan was, uh, I'm from Langley, want to bang me? Uh, that didn't go over well. On didn't Jimmy, go over no. too well with Langley. Got it. Uh, but that's where it says humor. It was in one of the textbooks in like the eighth grade. I opened it and someone had written that and I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Taking it forward from yeah. eighth grade. <laughs> or in Canada, don't you say grade eight? Uh, we do say grade eight. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have senior, junior, sophomore, Got all it. that. Just, bullshit. Yeah, it's All like that fucking bullshit. Is it, is it like you're at that point? Is it year ten or eleven or twelve? Is it grade ten? Grade ten. Got grade it. ten. Yeah. Okay. Grade twelve. Twelfth grade, as you guys say, senior. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for Americanizing your schooling. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started acting. I mean, I'd always been interested in acting and performing. I danced when I was like a kid. Um, and well, wait a minute. All kids dance. So what do you mean you dance when you're a kid? Like, I tap danced. Oh. The real shit. You, you still got it. Uh, I do actually. Uh -huh. okay. You don't lose that shit. Okay, it's like good. riding a bike. It's great. Got it. <laughs> Might have to break it out and get a nice. Actually, I just tried to move this table and I just about broke legs off, so that's not a good place to dance. But at some point, table. okay. I'll, I'll tap so dance you, on that table. You later. started dancing. Yeah, and uh, and just my mom saw that I had I really enjoyed performing, um, but she never wanted me to get an agent until I was a little older, and she knew for sure that that's what I wanted to do. So, but she always kind of found recreational classes for me to to take just like weird theater classes and to see if I really loved it and uh, I was lucky that the high school I went to had a film um, a film program oh, cool. which was rare at, I mean that was like in 2002 um, when I took that program which is I thought was so cool and my teacher uh, there she was she saw that I was really into it and so she recommended this class um, downtown Vancouver, which was in the city. In the city, the big city. A little suburb girl to the city. Uh, and so I took the class, and the last class was like a performance for your parents, but then also there was casting directors and agents, and, um, and that's how I got my manager, who I'm still with today. Wow. So that was when I was 15, was when I got a manager, or agent in Canada, as it is. Um, and, uh, and that's when I started. And for the first year, I booked nothing, literally nothing. Like, could not even hey, book a commercial. But you start slow. Oh right? yeah, you gotta practice no, <laughs> you got to start real slow. I really started so slow, slow that it's nothing actually. Nothing. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how I started. And then after the first year, then things started to kind of pick up. Okay, so you are familiar with the show, so I think you know enough that the people that we want to, or the people that do listen to this are people who are either self-identified as creativity, entrepreneurship, they're, they're trying to make a go of this and they've already identified and they want to get better, or there's a whole another pile of people that are like, I kind of not, I kind of want to do this, but I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And when you at 15, like identifying, did you did you just know? I mean, or was the was there outside pressure to do this? Because no. I had outside pressure to not do this. This whatever this is, but yeah. like, what <laughs> whatever doing, this what all is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I mean, I was really lucky that my my parents were supportive of me pursuing it, but definitely were not pushing me into it. Like my mom's not a stage mom who has wanted me to be a star. <laughs> I think she probably would have preferred that I didn't get into this after seeing what I have to go through. But she was really. Again, she she saw that I had interest in it, and what I love about what my mom did was she sought out kind of opportunities for me through classes. And yeah. so um, I I took so many classes when I was in high school for acting, and and I really did love it. And um, and I remember when I graduated from high school, I'd done some work in the industry in film and TV, but it was that thing of like, what do I do? You're supposed to go to, as we, we don't have, you guys, do you do college, university? You have a different word for it or something. College? College, but you don't do university? Or university and college are interchangeable. Yeah, okay, so I'm dumb. No, no, um, high, you, guys call, <laughs> you guys call it high school, right? High school, yeah. Okay. But we don't have, like, junior high. Fair. Um, anyways, I you're just, you just assume that you're supposed to go to university after. And it was that kind of the crossroads of, do I do that? And so I kind of like half stepped into, I went to like community college Mm -hmm. for one semester and I didn't even finish that one because I ended up booking a movie and then I was like, okay, fuck this. Like I'm going to go full force. But did you feel pressured to do that, to, to go to school and not pursue your thing? I felt I felt that not pressure from anyone, but more of a societal societal. Is that the word? Yeah, societal. <laughs> As you could tell, I did not go to school. <laughs> um, but I felt it wasn't from my parents. It was just this idea of that's what you're supposed to do. Because yeah. I did well in school, mm-hmm. um, and so I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And so I kind of, you know, I took general studies for one semester and, and just thought that that's what I was supposed to do. But then as you know. As, I started booking jobs and making money acting. And I was like, okay, let's do that. Let's do this. Well, that's a, there's just a handful of really prudent themes to this show. And one of them is that that's a very, it's a very hard thing to, often for people, it's a hard thing to break into because there's a lot of cultural bias against mm-hmm. it. And yet, it's sort of the first time in the history of our culture that it might actually be riskier to do the safe thing. Mm-hmm. Like to think that you're gonna, you know, go to school, go to college, graduate with whatever hundred thousand dollars in debt, and you're gonna get a good job, and then you're gonna be set mm-hmm. because there's no gold watch, there's no forty years employment at one particular thing. Um, does that? I mean, now that you're established, probably there's no fear there. But did you have any fear of that when you're like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, and then you moved to Los Angeles, and then you started like doing this more, and yeah, I mean, I think every actor in the back of their mind has this fear of when will they catch on to the fact that like I'm fooling everyone, and when will this dry up? 
Um, I, I was lucky in that the first year after I graduated high school, I was working quite a bit, but I definitely have had periods since then where, I mean, there, when the recession hit, it, it was also the writer's union had a strike, and so there was, like, nothing going on, and there was, like, a year and a half where I didn't work on anything, and I had been, like, working, and then all yeah. of a sudden, the bank account's going low, and, like, there's no auditions, and it, it really, it was a really interesting time, because it did make me kind of, everything, not that everything had been easy up to that point, but everything had been just on this. Felt natural. Yeah, and it was just, like, yeah. it was just moving forward and up, and then all of a sudden, everything took a stop, and then everything went down for me. And I had to kind of almost start back up again. Like I had, before the recession hit, I had just finished a big studio movie as one of the leads, which it was like a huge get. And the movie flopped. And it was supposed to be this thing where it was supposed to be huge. And then I would just keep going up. And it so didn't recession, do recession, movie, flop. And the no. writer's strike. Oh and it, yeah, it's just, I, for two years, basically didn't work. And because of how our industry works, then it was basically like I had to start all over again. And suddenly it was really humbling because I had to then go back to like auditioning literally for like guest stars on TV shows no one was watching. And even those I couldn't book. Which it was just, you know, I had been going out for the leads of studio movies and then I'm now auditioning for a guest star on some shitty sitcom. Um, but it, I'm really grateful for that experience because it did kind of humble me and then also kind of it shows you that, I don't know, because I've been building back up to that. It's like, okay, I didn't fake everyone. Like, I, I, I can do this and yeah. I can... Lose it do all again. And, and you can do it twice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once you might be lucky, you got to do it twice to be good. Yeah. yeah. So, A, I love the humility with which you approached. B, approach that. B, that weird pillow that's sitting next to you. You like that? <laughs> there was this pillow that Amanda was leaning against, and it was like, it was for in case she wasn't, um, didn't like fill out the couch enough, and she filled it out, but now it's just sitting there. I, I, I'm sorry. Cushion. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I love that you got so distracted. I mean, it's like the cushion. It's bugging me. I'm sorry. That's can something you take, I would do. Can you take the cushion away, Matt? Take Thank out you. that cushion. Take out the cushion. Um, for the folks at home that are listening to this instead of watching it, I'm sorry. You didn't see the cushion. It was just bugging me. The the part that I loved about your the your humility is we just went there. I, you know, it wasn't like there was a big build up about oh, what's it like to because I, I, I have never known you to stumble, just the, what I know about your career. But how much of success is humility? How much of your career has been um, benefited from work ethic, from not expecting to, you know, the, some sort of trajectory of like you get a hit and then you're off to the races? Yeah, I think... Um Again, like other than the first year when I first started auditioning and didn't book anything. But after that, like I said, like things just kind of naturally fell into place. Yes, it was, I still got rejected for stuff and had to fight my way up. But it was, I kind of got really lucky when I first started and, and started just booking American projects, even though I was in Canada. But then when all of that like fell down, it, uh, Oh, I lost my thought. Did it hurt? 
was it hard? It, it, was it, it, was it, did you, do you attribute success now to that period of having to go through that? Because I think there's, I mean, the reason I'm asking is there's so many people who are listening right now who are like, everything just, for the people who've quote made it, everything just sort of happens. And it's who you, who you know, and it's who you, and I'm trying to remind people that it's not the case. And I've never sat with someone like yourself who, for whom it just went like that naturally. Yeah, no, it's absolutely It's just like not. kicking, biting, scratching, the swan, everything looks calm on top, but you're kicking like hell under the water. Oh, I like and, that. Yeah, there you go. That's a good... That's um, a good visual. But, I mean, is that accurate or am I putting words in your mouth? No, no, it's absolutely accurate. And I st I'm still, that was kind of, you know, I have friends who are in this industry who are much higher than I am and seeing, you know, the battle that they're up against, you realize it never ends. And I remember thinking that like, oh, once I book this kind of a role, it's over. I'm like coasting. Mm, yeah. And, um... And that's what I was going to say was I, that was also part of what happened with this at the time of the recession was I had just finished, I booked this huge job. Like it was that one that I thought in my yep. mind, like done. we're done, we're done. We made it. And um, high five self. Yeah, exactly. And I then, two things happened was I had it in my idea, an idea in my head that I would now then like people should just be like offering me shit. Mm -hmm. Like hi, I just booked this huge movie. I'm in this huge movie. People should be knocking at my door. And so then when I would get auditions, in my mind, I was too good to be auditioning for this part. Like they should just be yeah. offering it to me. And so I turned down a lot of auditions. And then I also, um, I also turned down auditions out of fear because I also had it in my mind that people would be expecting a certain quality of work from me in the room and if I couldn't deliver that if I looked at the audition scenes and I was like oh this looks hard then I didn't want to I didn't want to I didn't want to fail in the room which was new for me because before it was just like I'll fucking do anything I will like show up and like if I fail I fail but I'm like gonna try and all of a sudden I was paralyzed with fear and that's also what happened in that time of like the recession is that I kind of I freaked out and I like stepped back and then I had that kind of sobering moment when I woke up one day and realized like you are not where you like you used to be. And like you can't, you can't expect for these. You can't these... pretend, you can't, you can't pretend your way out of this one. Kind yeah, of yeah. And, and you can't like no one, like all of the kind of buzz that was around you is completely gone now. Like you, 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 you freaked out, you checked out. And it was a really sobering moment. And that's, I remember calling my agent being like, I, we have to like start all over again and I'm ready. But like, I've been like, I've checked out. And it was that first year after that moment was like a really hard year. Cause again, I was having to audition for things that I hadn't had to audition for in like years. Yeah. And, uh, and it really, it, it, it really fucked with my confidence for a while there, but having gone through it, then you, then you gain this like whole new confidence because you you went back down to like the bottom and like fought your way up. Also as an older person, because when I first started, I was like 16 and I think there's just kind of a wide-eyed, bushy tail sort of thing going yeah. on there. And going through that a second time, I really kind of gained a whole new confidence and, and appreciation for like what I do and what I have to offer. Yeah. So what's interesting to you now? 
what's interesting yeah, to me? Yeah, like the show, of, clearly you guys are on to the fourth season, which is not out yet, but we're gonna tr we'll drop this probably the week before that drops, which is April 25, 3rd, 3, 5, something some like that. Some Sunday. Yeah, some Sunday in April. <laughs> Um, but you're already, you're wrapped, of course, because they're in post right now. So what's, like, what is occupying Amanda's time right now? Are you on to the next project? Are you filming? Are you in production? What's happening? I, uh, I, so I just wrapped on the show a week ago, and now it's back in that audition game. And it's, uh, it's, it's been very busy and exciting, but so exhausting. And But there is, I have this new fire under my ass kind of trying to find that next thing for myself that challenges me in a new way and features me because the reality is, is there's not a lot of great roles out there for women. Yeah. And so it's like finding those projects that actually feature the woman and not just kind of have them on the sideline. And that's like what I really have my eye on. And so that means turning down things that could potentially be like cool to be a part of, but if- If you it, keep doing the things that you'd be nice to be a part of, you might- Exactly, I did that for a while because I needed that. That was like what, what I needed in my career to like move up. But like now it's like, I need to push myself to the, to the next thing. There's always the next thing. Yeah, of course. Thing. But it's, it's, it's a real, it's a hustle. Yeah. Um, and it, it does a number on uh, the old self-confidence in the brain. Yep. Um, but I think that's, it's kind of a drug too. You get really addicted to it. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the pursuit. Uh, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. I think the, what I, again, I'm just gonna reflect on what you've said already, which is it's, it's fantastic for the folks at home to hear A, the challenges, B, how hard folks work. I think, again, I'm trying to dispel this myth that shit just happens because yeah. I don't know a single human for whom that has been the way it's gone down. It's always two steps forward, one step back, a lot of you know heartbreak and hustle. And uh, did you always know that this was gonna be a thing? Is that, I'm trying to get at now what allows you to do that work because it's not hard. Or sorry, because it's not easy, because it's hard. Yeah, no, I. I think is, about is that. It, you love the craft. Like, I, uh, you love being I fancy? that's like when you finally get to be on set and you get to act. Like that's fun, but it takes so much work to get to yeah. that, you know. And uh, and I obviously when I first started acting, I had no idea what I was. You never do. Up. No, right? it's, it's just all just I, made up until you're there. I know, and it's it's yeah, it's it's interesting because I was um, there's this program, this after school program that I'm involved with that helps girls find their confidence and empower, self-empowerment and, uh, and eventually helps them figure out what they want to do with their lives post high school. And so I was mentoring this girl who is interested in, in either pursuing acting or directing. <laughs> just like, I was just like pushing her to directing. I was yeah. just like, go do that. I was like, you have your phone, you can make movies on your phone. <laughs> But it was it it was hard because I was I was trying to, you know, be um, positive, yeah. yet also knowing like 
it's really fucking hard. I, I think it's the same in kind of like in the world of blogging and Instagram influencers and all that, like the younger generation, they see these, you know, these girls with like 10 million followers and like they just post like beautiful photos of themselves and like go to these things and take videos and they're like, oh my God, that looks like so much fun. They get all this free clothes. I wanna do that. Yeah, I wanna do that. And they don't like, that world, like the Those are some of the smartest, hardest working people I know. Hardest working, like yeah. I actually look at what they do and I'm like, that's harder than what I do. And yeah. I, like, I, I just, it's, it's, that is such a hustle, but people just see the, the, the online side of it. They don't yeah. see like all the work that they have to do behind it. And I think that's with acting too, is people just see you on TV or in a movie and they're like, wow. And then they see your Instagram and like, obviously it's just the highlights of your life, but no one sees you driving from Santa Monica in the morning to do an audition for 14 pages and then drive to West Hollywood to do another audition with like 10 pages in one day. And then you have to drive home and like read a full script because then you have an audition the next day. It's, you know, it's, it's a fucking grind. And then yeah. to like put your heart out in both of those auditions and not hear anything back. Yeah, crickets. Not even like no because of this, just nothing. So you have no idea why they didn't respond to you. You don't yeah. know if it's because of your hair color, which is literally a thing, uh, or if you did a shitty read, or if you actually did a really good read, but they're just offering it to a big name and you had no chance in hell. <laughs> right. So you Token. really have to keep the confidence You're the up. triple bid, yeah. So, all right, let's shift gears. Let's go personal life. So you, you film a season, mm -hmm. there's the junket of promoting that, which we're gonna be the first show, that because we're, we're ahead of the curve here. Way ahead. Way ahead, it's coming out in April. But after that, are you still buzzing because the show is on and people are like knocking at your door because every Sunday for X number of Sundays, your, your speeds and feeds blow up and you're excited and, and invigorated? Or is it lonely and you're still grinding and that's a thing that already happened for you six to 12 months ago and so you're on to the next thing. Like what's the psychology of next yeah. for, for you? I think for me it's, it's the latter of what you said. Like while I'm working on the show, that's what I'm focused on. And of course promoting the show and I mean, I'm a fan of the show myself. I love watching it. It's so, it's, so fun <laughs> It's so funny. And like I love those boys. They're so fucking funny and and uh, everyone's so talented on the show. And so when it's on, I, I'm watching it too and enjoying it, but I am focused on what's next yeah. and whether that is that I'm filming on something else or I'm just grinding at you know the audition game trying to yeah. get that next thing. But I'm never kind of just sitting back I, I did that before. Just yeah, sat back, yeah. like, oh, yeah. <laughs> waiting, waiting for, for it to all right. just, like, come to me. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's not how it happens. So it's, as, soon as, as soon as I'm wrapped, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm calling my agents being me. like, yeah. what the fuck are we doing next? Yeah. And, like, just send me out. Just send me out. Because um, I, I, don't, I don't do well with just kind of sitting and trying to stay comfortable. That's, like, never been kind of my speed. Well, let's go there. Let's so do let's do it. Let's so, do it. Let's get uncomfortable. Com well, if if being comfortable is not your gig, what is your gig? Is it is it putting yourself out there on stage, on you know, in front of the cameras, or is it is it personal development, professional development? What's what part of you is the part that you like to be uncomfortable? Well, I don't like to sit still, and 
a big kind of challenge with acting is that, I mean, you're lucky if you're working 60 days out of a year. I mean, that that's like a successful actor, you know? Yeah. It's like you, you don't get to work that much. That's when it's easy is when you're on set. And so the hard part is that there are times of the year where it's just not as busy and you're not auditioning at all. You go from like three auditions a day to not having an audition in a whole month. And I really, when I was younger, I mean, I really struggled with kind of that kind of like 100 to zero. And, uh, and a lot of actors, I think, write for that reason mm -hmm. because that's a creative outlet that they can kind of have control over. And I always envied that about a lot of my friends who are actors who wrote, but I had never had any drive to do that. But I recognized that I needed something a creative outlet on the side that I had control of, that I could pick up when I wasn't working. And that's when I fell in love with photography because I'd always loved photography but had never really pursued it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was about when I was like 24 when I realized I need some, something on the side. And so I just, I started like, teaching myself how to use a camera. And that has become such an amazing creative outlet for me. And through that, I've done, you know, at one point me and my best friend had like a blog that we were doing with that. And then I got a lot of respect for bloggers because like this is a lot of fucking work and I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> um, but but I have also, like I have this like on totally hobbies, super small on the side, but I do this like interview series called Frank where it's, um, I, I interview someone and do photos and like there's kind of like a questionnaire that they fill out by hand and I scan and like th gather pieces of their things and I scan the, like it's this whole like big piece on a person and that has been so fulfilling for me um, just as this creative outlet that I have control of that there's no kind of, the outcome is just it's just for me. I don't There's care. There's no if, intermediary or end benefit. Exactly. Or, I'm not trying to, I'm not doing it to, to get to a, like a higher place. It's just for me. And it's been one of like one of the most fulfilling things that I've done outside of acting has been that. And it's kept me sane. Um, and it's been interesting because once I started diving more into the photography, I was able to kind of when I would audition, there's like a little bit less pressure that I'd be putting on, on myself because it used to be like acting, ride or die, like everything takes a back seat. This is the only thing in my life. And you learn that you need to have like a balance with like all of that. And I was able to then take some of the pressure off of myself with my auditions because I had these other things going on that were also rewarding and fulfilling for me. So it wasn't this thing of, I need to like book this because like if I don't work soon, I'm gonna go fucking crazy. It's like, I have a, this other shit going on. Yeah. And that's also been like the world of like investing too, has been a whole, like this is very recent for me in the past couple of months where that's started to happen. And like, I'm a strategic investor and I'm like part of like phone calls and stuff and I fucking love it. Yeah. And, um, and then my lawyer that I hired to do my contracts were like potentially, creating a product I don't oh, <laughs> so it's, it's very it's very early stages but okay. it's like very exciting to me this whole new world has opened up that I now as I'm doing it it makes complete sense to me because I've always been interested in business 
but uh, but had you told me that like two years ago, I'd be like, there's no fucking way. But like, it really is. It's so interesting how life can take you down different roads if you're open to it. Yeah. Um, I went on a tangent there. No, no, but it's a good tangent. <laughs> I, like, I feel like natural tangent, tangent, but I deeply identify with that. I've spent my whole life trying to carve out um, who I was, an identity, a belief, a life, a living around just being an artist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to have to start to pay attention to business because of some things that happened in my life. Like, you know, A, you want to be an artist, like not a starving artist. Mm-hmm. And in the early days, you're looking around, and you're like, all right, who's on my team? And you're like, team of one. Yeah. And you have to advocate for yourself. That changes over time. But I became intoxicated is the right word, but business is probably not the wrong word, and sort of doing things that would facilitate a, a broader spectrum of things for myself. And I also am an angel investor and, and, you know, about creative live. Those things have largely shaped a new part of me. And it's not, I've not walked away from photography mm-hmm. or filmmaking or any of that stuff. But I love the fact that we can all be hyphens now, that you're not just an actress. I, when I found that out about you, um, your passion for photography, I was like, of course, we're all a bunch of hyphens. And, you know, here is another one of Amanda's. Things. Yeah, and that was kind of I. I used to have this belief when I was younger that to be an actor you could only just be an actor, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I kind of sh- always shied away from the photography. Was just like, oh, well, that would mean that I'm not fully an actor because I'm not giving a hundred percent to acting if I'm also doing the stuff on the side. And now I can't imagine my life without having stuff going on. And it just once you take away that label from yourself of just like I'm just an actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, a whole new world has opened up for me that is so much more rewarding and fulfilling than if I had just labeled myself actor. That's it. I'm not allowed to do anything else. Um, I love it. Yeah. I mean, because you've made like huge like pivots in your career and like, yeah. and it's opened up, I mean, the impact that you're able to have now on people as a result of that, whereas if you had just been, I'm just a photographer, I mean, your world is so crazy to me now. Like you just do so much. And that story you were talking about, sorry to like bring it in, nope. but like of why you weren't on Instagram for so yeah. long. And when I read that, I was like, wow. And the fact that you, I mean, you really could have just stayed in that dark hole and like just been like, okay, fuck it. I'm never like venturing <laughs> into this ever again. Yeah. And I really admired, like reading that, I was like, wow, I really admire that. Like you, Thank you, you. you continue, you're like, you pivoted in yeah. that world. It, that was when I was casually referring to it earlier. Like there's some, and I went through some things. That thing, that business thing was. <laughs> that business thing. Yeah, that business <laughs> thing is like I, like overtly through in part paralysis and in part, and if you guys know what I'm talking about, I created an app in 2009 called Best Camera, which was the first iPhone which app. Which I had, by the way. Yes, which is the first iPhone app that shared photos to social networks. It was, you know, a year and a half or so I had Instagram. It was app of the... It's not like I created an idea and, oh, well, but it, it's like I created cable television and it just, I just, I created up here. No, no, I created a physical thing and it was very successful. Million downloads, um, app of the year mm-hmm. for Apple, you know, global speaking tour about the future of photography, all that stuff. And when it came time to potentially transact and, and have never work again money, like private plane money, I 
couldn't pull the trigger specifically because I had spent so much of my time as creating and fulfilling what I thought an identity of a creative was, and that was different from an entrepreneur, and that was influenced by culture, not what I was feeling in here. Mm -hmm. And there's, so there's all kinds of things that are wrong with that, and what Amanda's referencing is a blog post that I wrote, sort of confessing all that five years later, which was... For legal reasons. Yeah, for sure. I just spat on myself, yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> I explain myself a lot. Anytime I say legal reasons, it's a mouthful. Um, well, thank you for thanking me. Wait, is that right? Yeah, thank yeah. you for thanking me. Um, so, uh, but you just got shy. I did. I just, yeah, I'm so shy. I'm, <laughs> these guys, they know. Um, but let's shift gears for a little bit. So thank you for having my app, too, by the way. But when I saw you in the hallway, I literally felt like I'd, I'd known you for 10 years. And I don't know why that is. I know. I've... It was a weird feeling for me too, because I said that was the first thing I said to you. I feel like I know you, but I don't know you, and I want to give you a hug. So we did. And it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is that about this day and age that we live in? Uh, yeah, probably the fucking internet. Yeah, I mean, which I thing. love and yeah. I hate. Yeah. I have such a love hate relationship with social media and the internet. I think it's such a powerful tool that has like connected us and has opened my world up to different point of views, different, I don't know, artists, different products, different everything. But then I also feel like there's, it's just, there's so many voices now. And yeah. um, it's like my, th the way I look at selfies where I'm just like, I have a love-hate relationship with selfies. Cause I, part of me when I see like a, a selfie of my friend is like, I, I cringe, but I'm also like, good for them. They're feeling good. They're feeling themselves. Yeah, it's it. a little self-indulgent, but, uh, yeah, but they're but feeling yeah, themselves. Which is good to feel good. Yeah, it's a nice exactly. job. It's like the gym selfie. You're like, they're feeling good. They're, they're exercising and they're feeling confident. They're like, but are they just looking for compliments from everyone? Cause they're actually insecure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It's a, I think it's a really interesting concept. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's such a, yeah. I, and I struggle with it myself. I'm surprisingly a very private person mm -hmm. and I, yet I also love sharing things about myself, but it's, but then sometimes I just get really shy about it. Like it took me forever to post a photo of myself on Instagram. I, remember the first time I posted a photo of myself, it was from a red carpet event and I felt so gross posting this photo, but I wanted to post it because I wanted to give credit to mm -hmm. the, the whole team that like puts, I mean, there's fucking so, like yeah. 10 people that put together your whole look yep. and, uh, and I wanted to give them credit, but I also didn't want people to think that I was like, Oh my God, like how beautiful I am and tell me I'm amazing and beautiful and gorgeous and that you want to be like me. Yeah. Like, cause that's, that's the feeling that I get sometimes when I see those photos. Um, and, uh, but I do realize that there's positivity behind that too. And it's just about, if it's, it's complex. I think that's what we have to acknowledge. And yeah. there's, um, we've talked about this a little bit on the show, probably not enough cause it's something that I think about a lot and the people whom are in your shoes, um, even my shoes, or, or folks who are um, very, very um, out there. Mm -hmm. Out there, not in like a, but in like a. <laughs> but also yeah, a little. Yeah, <laughs> it, it requires that. But that's a, it's an actual thing. There's a psychology around it. There's, um, and I know a lot of people, we talk about it in private, how it's kind of, it's weird. Mm -hmm. And 
even the, the Instagram thing you just mentioned, like telling people all that, like what is the purpose of telling people that if it's not to point back at you? And in my world, I had to wait long enough to make it about a learning lesson for others. And that was part of the reason I justified just continuing to put this off. Because it wasn't like when it resolved itself, I just went out the very next day. There was right. still months post that where I was like, is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? And I have become less and less self-sensory because I'm, I don't know, I, I need to keep moving. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's my nature. But how is it for you? Because you're clearly processing this stuff. You're red carpet. You're in a, you know, a super successful show. And it's expected that you will promote yourself and your career. And if you don't beat your own chest, then who's going to like celebrate you for you? Yeah. So how do you deal with it? It's, yeah, I, I mean, I think about it a lot and I put a lot of thought into it. I think my biggest thing is just making sure that anytime I'm putting stuff out there, it's never in a way... The last thing I would ever want to make anyone feel is that they're less than. Yeah. And that's like always been a big thing with me is that I've never wanted to make anyone, my friends or fans, feel like they're less than me and that I'm up here. And so that's always been kind of my natural intention anytime I put stuff out there. But also recognizing that, you know, especially with fans, that they, they are they do look up to you and they are inspired by you and that you you can have positive impact. I mean, I'm, I've been working with this trainer. Nice, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, but I've always been really into to fitness, but I just started training with this trainer in the summer and he had said to me, he's like, you need to be posting about this. I'm like, that's gross. I don't want to like post about my fucking workouts. Yeah. Like what, and he's like, you have a platform and you can spread a positive message uh, with, I mean, because I've now become very passionate about like women should be like lifting weights or resistance training and like we shouldn't be cardio rats. Uh And, um, and he's like, you, you can help spread that message. And, you know, as someone who suffered from like terrible self-esteem in high school and everything, it's like you, you can have impact by, by sharing that. And so I realized that part of me was being selfish by not sharing yeah. that kind of stuff. That's exactly this weird psychology that it's like as soon as you can justify not posting X photos of yourself for Y reasons, then the other side of the same coin is like, and you're missing an opportunity to help other people pursue their dreams to, you know. Yeah, and that's the other side of the coin of, you know, me never wanting people to feel less than. I also recognize that I was starting to kind of make myself small to make people feel comfortable. And that was also the, my friend pointed it out to me. I remember one time and she was just like, it's a disservice to other people. She's like, by you being yourself, cause I'm just, I'm such a weird nutball. <laughs> and she's like, by you not being fully yourself, then you're not giving, when you do that, you give people permission to, to be, be them, themselves. Yeah. And by you not doing that, then you're, you're not giving people permission. And so it's just this interesting, you know, like on one side it's this healthy thing of like not wanting to make people feel less than, but then by stunting myself, I'm not, you know, giving people permission. It's this really fucked up like double-sided coin and it's a very fine balance, but it was, that was a very eye-opening experience for me of realizing that I had been doing a disservice to other people by trying to service them. I think that the folks who are listening to this or watching this, I think everyone can identify this. We're talking about you and your career in Hollywood, et cetera, but I believe that that exists for every person. Mm -hmm. Like how much of 
in this world? Am I sharing what's too much, what's not enough? And that's one of the reasons I've been sort of trying to foster this, this conversation is because it doesn't happen enough. Mm-hmm. I want people out there to know that's something I also occasionally get to do crazy things that I have no business doing. People who are like I'm way blown away by and getting to learn from them and and I don't post those pictures and it's and I'm like I'm kind of bummed that sometimes I don't have that memory or the X or Y or Z to to put that out there with confidence because I'm worried about it being misunderstood or whatever totally. and I'm hearing that from you so yeah. a you're not alone <laughs> we're all in this together but. I think you have done just a masterful job of that. I don't know if your your feeds are super funny. <laughs> they are. They're just, uh, that's what, in part, when we saw each other in the hallway, that helped me feel like I understood right. and knew you. Well, that makes me feel good, so thank you. you. Yes, you're doing a good job. <laughs> the Mutual Admiration Society can now adjourn. Back to the hard fucking questions. We love each right. other. Yes, back to the you're hard amazing. questions. You're amazing. I keep saying back to the hard questions, and then you keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. So, um... Hard question number, how many hard questions have I asked? Not very many, right? What's next? That's a great question, mm-hmm. and there's no answer to that right now. Um, like I said, I I am back to auditioning, yep. uh, the terrifying world of auditioning. And um, so I hope, I hope, maybe by the time this airs, I'll have booked that really big, that big fucking thing. job. That big thing. Um, but... But yeah, like I said, like right now I'm just super focused on that. I have a couple projects coming out this year, yep. but again, I things. Yeah, they're product. just I I'm kind of this way. So, um so I just I really have been focused on kind of finding that thing that is challenge challenges me and showcases me in a way that I haven't been showcased and challenged before. Cool. Um so Well, I would like to um adjourn from that point for a second because you are about to enter the promotional aspect of your show. All those questions about being the only girl. Yeah, yeah. Even though I'm not the only girl anymore, but That's they right. still say I'm the only girl. <laughs> There's two of ten. Right? Yes. Two of ten females. Um, in, uh, I will share a story with you at this point. Prepare for a story, people. <laughs> uh, I went to the world premiere of the first, second, and third seasons of your show. Really? First one was in Palo Alto. I was there. Yes. And the there was maybe 150 or 200 people in attendance. It was chairs like brought out onto a floor screen about as big as that TV. We're in a room with the TV right there. And I remember Mike Judge, the creator of the show, getting up and saying, so it's kind of weird because there's a lot of people in this room. It was super small. I mean, it was like, like super VIP. This is another one of those things. Like, I don't think I posted a picture from that because I'm uncomfortable because I'm sitting between these fancy people. Yeah. And I remember Mike saying something like, "It's kind of it's kind of weird because I mean, you guys. I guess you'll just have to tell us what you think because you're all in the thing. And, you're basically in the show. Yeah, <laughs> in the show. And the what I watched happened that night was you guys I think at that point now you played two episodes but at that point you I think you might have played three because mm-hmm. they're 22 minutes or something like that and we watch are they is that how long they are 22 23 they're 30 because HBO oh, has no commercials right. see she's already in promo mode <laughs> um and I remember afterwards the whatever watched a couple shows and then the people in the audience were sort of miffed 
because Silicon Valley, in I don't know what it is, um, Silicon Valley loves Silicon Valley, I should just tell you that. <laughs> Not the show, but Silicon Valley loves itself. Yeah. <laughs> and there was that someone was creating a satire about this world that they had created was very hard for the people, and especially the super famous people. And mm -hmm. I remember there was a red carpet, which is super weird in Palo Alto, red carpet <laughs> with a step and repeat, and the, and I'm watching these like, Watch it, they don't actually know what to do here. The, 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 the San Franciscans are like awkwardly in front of the step and repeat. But I watched this sort of slow motion train wreck of Silicon Valley not capable of handling a satire about itself. Do you have that recollection at all? Or was that just as an outsider because you were so- I mean, so you would have more of an insider scoop on that because you, you know some of these yeah. people. And so we, were, we felt like the guests yeah. at that- at Yeah, that they, they loved it, but- there was definitely an, an easy Well, an and I remember Elon Musk was at that, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. And he... It's specifically Elon and Peter Thiel who commented about it that I'm referring... I was not going to use names, but... Um, <laughs> not fans. Yeah. They were, they were not psyched because I, I remember one quote, I think, in the paper, or maybe I heard it in person, was something like, you guys made fun of us for trying to save the world, but we really are trying to save the world. Well, because that was like the theme of the first episode. That was the big joke of we're just trying to make the world a better place. Yeah. And uh, and and I get that because the, most of Silicon Valley is genuinely yep. that's what they're doing. But it's just funny to make fun. Of. Yeah, it is. But it's also what what Silicon Valley doesn't understand is no, no. Okay, if L.A. Or if pop culture is making fun of you, it means you've made it. So like, relax. Yeah, you guys are doing cool. a great job. Yeah, if you're worthy of that sort of attention, then gosh, nice job. You've made it happen. <laughs> you're worthy of us actually putting a lens on you because there's so many other things that we don't put a lens on. Totally. The same, it was different, sorry. Uh, so the second year was in San Francisco and it was, by my recall, um, it was total... Adoration. Everybody had sort of got over those things. And again, I, I feel like I have one toe, a little pinky toe in your world, but also um, in the tech world mm -hmm. now. And just total adoration. And I think all of y'all were lined up. And I just remember it being very funny. The cast was insanely funny. Yeah. Um, I got to meet a, a handful of you, but I didn't meet you. Um, I would have remembered. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I would have remembered. Because we the hallway, I was like, yeah. oh. So... <laughs> Was it different year? Two? What's the difference between year one and year two, and year two to maybe now? Yeah, I think I think the first year. I remember watching the first episode, and because when you're filming it, especially the first season, I you, you're not you don't get to see the final product, and like there's so much that's done in the edit too. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching the first episode, being like. Oh, that's what we're doing. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> Good. I can do this more. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's because you have no idea really this this world that they were creating. And the the original pilot that I had auditioned for, if you had read that script versus what actually was the end product, completely different show. Wow. It changed so much from when we shot the pilot to when it actually got picked up and then we went back and actually reshot some scenes and then they changed some characters and like storylines. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of my friends that auditioned for the show originally thought it was a drama. That's how different it was. Wow. Yeah. Which is insane to me now because the show is obviously so fucking hilarious, it's but hilarious. like, but that original pilot, I remember reading it and it was, it was not funny, but I knew Mike Judge and I knew his work and I knew HBO and I was like, oh, I guess I should audition for this. Yeah. 
But even my character, Monica, she originally was this, like, like sexy seductress. You didn't know if she was, like, good or bad. What were her intentions? And, um, and they com- obviously completely changed that. But uh, I'm still surprised I booked it because that's I'm not really. <laughs> I actually, when I auditioned for it, um, was, you know, I was wearing like the high heels and the skirt and the shirt and everything. And uh, I walked into the audition and within two steps had tripped over a cable like <laughs> on my heels. And I was like, well, I'm not booking this. Like, cause I'm just so not that woman. But they, yeah, they, they quickly changed her to the Monica that is now. Maybe in part because of you. Maybe, maybe they just love my heart. <sighs> um, I'm, I'm a big fan of my judges. Yeah. Good guy to work with. He's amazing he if you didn't know like what he looked like if you didn't know his work if you just met him on the street you would have no idea he's had the success that he's had he does not carry himself at all in that way in fact I remember one year I think it was the second season and he got nominated for directing for an Emmy and so I emailed him that morning being like Pretty soon after he had been announced, and I was like, oh, my God, congratulations, like, nominated for an Emmy for directing. (laughs) He emailed me back, and he was like, oh, really? Like, he had no, like, most people, like, they, on the day of announcing, they're, like, on their computers just, yeah, waiting for it. He had, like, it wasn't even on his radar, and... And, uh, and that is just so indicative of the kind of person he is. He's so down to earth, so, and, and then just really fucking smart, obviously. Yeah. So and good at really his job. Funny. So good at his job. Yeah. Um, what's set look like? You guys, is, it, is it as funny as I would guess it would be? It's insanity. I mean, when you get all of those, a lot of my scenes are either with Suzanne or um, with Thomas, who yeah. plays Richard, and yeah. that's a bit more of a tame set, but when we have the scenes with like all the boys, and me in like the hacker house, it's... Those are hilarious. Oh my God, it's just fucking chaos in the best way. I mean, and we have such a good dynamic, all the guys and me, of I'm, I'm one of the, hello. <laughs> uh, I'm, oh, bye. <laughs> Hot set. Don't they know this is Howard Hughes' office? True. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, we have such dirty sense of humor. So uh, a lot of what we... I mean, the videos we text each other and stuff from, like, on, it's so inappropriate. Like, if people just saw the, the terrible videos we were sending each other. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculously hilarious group. There, it's, I mean, I, I'm constantly pinching myself that I get, that that's my job, is showing up to that set, because they're just so, so fucking funny. It's a, it's a beautiful show. <laughs> Speed round. Speed round. Oh, God, I'm terrible at these. Okay, should I go slow? Should I talk slow? Like, What's going to help you? Uh, like, I, I just have to pace myself. Okay, well, speed <laughs> round. I may take a beat before I answer. Okay, take a beat. Um, something that would surprise people that if they, something that people don't know about you but would be surprised if they did. Okay. Um, excuse me. <laughs> Uh, oh, I have, um, I have a, I have a tattoo, um, on my wrist of a freckle. Uh, that is, in fact, a tattoo. Uh, yeah, that little brown dot. Yep, it's a big one. Badass, okay? 
my friend. Who inked that for you? Is that a some professional? Yeah. I paid one hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> for that because <laughs> they have to use like a new needle. But my friend, she was, she was. I was getting my ear pierced right there, and uh, and I came back out of the piercing room, and my friend was getting this feather tattooed on her arm. She's like, you have to get one, and you know she didn't research the tattoo artist. She just did it, and long story short, there was no no detail, and it looked like she had a dick on her arm. <laughs> Like, complete with, like, fucking, sh- like, shaded and... No! Tan. Like, I was just like, well, that doesn't look like a feather. Um, and she's like, you have to get a tattoo. Matt's, Matt's embarrassed. Look at Matt's turning red. Our camera guy. <laughs> yeah, so she had, a, she had a dick on her arm, and she was like, you have to get a tattoo. And I was just like, I'm not fucking getting any tattoo from that this girl. <laughs> so, uh, so I, got, uh, I got a freckle tattoo. Um, so that's wow. an interesting fact about me that most people don't know. Yeah, it's it's subtle and badass. Like it, I mean, when you see it, that, it you're like, look, ooh, that, that girl do you, is. Do you often wear sleeveless dresses and shirts to show it off? Yeah, and sometimes you know, for, like for work, they have to cover yeah. it up because yeah. it's distracting. Yeah, like Monica obviously wouldn't have a, a tattoo, so that's covered up. Got it. Yeah, by a professional esthetician. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Got it. Okay, so that's, is that enough time in between them for you to get recharged now? Yeah, I'm ready. You like how I did that? Okay, good, good. Thing two, um, something that if you weren't right here where we, and you could be teleported anywhere, where would you want to go? Oh, my God. I've recently become obsessed with Iceland. Are we talking about place or time? Either, whatever. Yeah, no, Iceland. There. I want to go there pretty real that you've been yeah, obviously you've yeah. been you've been everywhere yeah it's a pretty it's Mr. so jet setter so photo look at you you're just working me he's just, always late for his flights but yeah. thank god he has that fast pass hey <laughs> how about the how about the flight to get down here we all know we saw the, the instagram story was i not the last person on the, on the you, airplane your flight was leaving in 17 minutes and you were still in your car how about and then the next the next store, you're like, I made it, and I was like, How the fuck? I'm the actually that these are these times are true. It was four minutes. Check this out. This oh is my true. God. Four minutes from curb, Nasa dropped me off to gate. Shut up. Yes, there was not a single human in line. I sprinted, and I have clear, so it's like two fingers. So he's on clear. The deal. Yep, and they said, Okay, you're clear. And then there was not a person in line. I set my backpack on the, the, the deal. And then I was at the farthest gate away that you can possibly be in Seattle, 814. Not the one we have to ride a trolley, fortunately. I sprinted the whole way. Halfway there, I was like, this is really useless. What am I doing? Yeah. And I made it. I'm so jealous. Yeah. But that's also, I think, men can get away with just a carry-on. Yeah. I'm allergic to everything that touches me. And so I have to bring... I literally have to bring a towel to dry my face with because I will have an allergic reaction to the, to the soap. hotel. Oh my That's gosh. the bleach. Yeah. I oh, learned bleach. I'm allergic to bleach. It's a thing. But I have to bring my own shampoo. Your I, shirt is very white, though. It's well, like, I washed oh, it, it. Okay. with Honest Company. Mm. Just plug that. Plug in. that. Plug it. Make it I'm not allergic to Honest Company. It's one of the only detergents. So, make there. Hundreds, is there a single camera pointed at me right now? Three. <laughs> I'm like looking into the lens. I'm like, they're all pointed at you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, Iceland. Yeah. I can tell you that it's amazing. Yeah. But I want to know why. Why Iceland? It just, looks because it's beautiful. Oh my god! It just looks like a fucking fairy tale. It looks 
like no other place on earth. And it just looks like you're just surrounded by fucking nature and it's Waterfalls gorgeous and, yeah. and the people seem really cool. Yeah. Um, and it just seems, yeah, like a fairy tale. Can I give you a tip? Yeah. Go. Thanks. Tip number two, don't eat the, um, the shark. My face, I'm like, oh, shark? The, 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 you eat shark? The, the, national, the national dish is a, um, what is it called when it's not pickled? Um, is it pickled? What's it called? My face. Pickled? Like, yeah, it's gnarly. It's a, I think it's a pickled shark. Is it? What's this? Fermented. fermented. Yes, thank you. Fermented. Pickling is fermenting. Yeah. So there you go. I was mostly way there. And because, but every local will say, not every local, but some of the ones, our producer in this case, is like, oh, you have to have this fermented shark. Totally not worth it. It sounds it's, disgusting. And it's, you think you, like, I like to be open. I eat everything. I've right. eaten pig's anus in Hong Kong. Don't recommend that either. Chewy. That's fucking disgusting. Chewy. <laughs> Chewy. I put, I I have put a some, visual. I put some, some hot sauce on it. Oh my God. It was on a show actually too. I'll save you that one. Don't, don't look that up because it's not. I'm like, actually it, picturing it, like yeah, don't, an O. Come on. It is. It was a O. Oh, it was like, it's like, it's, it's like actually it's the like, shape of the anus. Like they didn't even like chop it up. It's, it's like squid. <laughs> it's like a calamari. Except it wasn't deep fried. <laughs> like, for those of you who are listening to this on the audio version, you should see him at his face. It's yeah, amazing. It's but this disgusting. is this is not meant to be the topic of this discussion. It's don't eat the shark. Yeah, I will when not they, eat when the they shark. Suggest and I like to be open. It's just not worth it. It doesn't taste good. And the people actually laugh when they've done they're done feeding it to you. So you re, what you realize it's actually them just like feeding you the grossest thing in their country so that you can say you did it. And Everybody falls for it. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, I'm not going to fall for that. But enjoy the waterfalls and the icebergs yeah. and the beautiful straight roads and the mountains. And take a ferry, too, if you can, actually. There's some cool ferries. Noted. Check. No shark and the ferry. No shark, take the ferry. Okay, that was question number two. This is not rapid fire at all, right? <laughs> you like how I have my Yeah, wait, I asked you a question and then I talked for 10 minutes because you put it back on me. You're very tricky. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. Um... The thing that you love to eat that nobody knows. Ooh. Like, you're like, mm, I'm at a grocery store. I'm going to go home, watch some shows, or hang out with my dog. You have a dog. I have, oh my God. I'm such a boring yeah, so because is it, are you allergic to a lot of stuff? I'm not actually Does allergic it, to a lot of foods, but I I really uh, I'm such a classic actor actress in the sense that gum I, for breakfast. I, I yeah, gum and cigarettes. No, I really do love eating clean. Like yeah. I actually it like feels good. Yeah, yeah. That's I, what I was trying to get at. Is there anything that's not a thing like that? I know, and I'm trying to think like what like what is my big like cheat meal, and it's just like. Oh, I'll have like half my boyfriend's fries. <laughs> Scandalous. Scandalous. Um, but there isn't but like there's something good about eating clean, right? It feels there, good. It honestly, it I know it's so cliche, but it really I do feel so much better when I'm eating clean. And like I said, I'm really into like fitness, and I do. You just feel so much better when you're eating clean. Taking care, taking care of yourself. Um, like and that. and because I've been doing it for so long, it's. It's it's a habit, and it it doesn't feel like I'm depriving myself, or yeah. that like there's foods like oh man, because I also like will allow myself to eat like I'm sure it's breakfast, it's birthday cake, here I have a yeah exactly cake, yeah. like you know there's that balance, but 
uh, I do prefer eating eating clean. And good. I can't think no, of something that's good. Like I, but, awesome. but see, what, I, what that allowed me to get to was habits, which now. So, what are some other habits that people have? Sort of maybe what's a weird habit? What's a couple normal habits? Talk to me about your morning. I love morning routines. There's that website, mymorningroutine.com, and I love. Amazing. I love reading people's morning routines. I can't stand people who like, you You can read some of them though and you're like, you're fucking lying. Like you yeah. don't do like all of this stuff every single it's just, morning. That's 12 hours worth yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I know, like they're like, and then it's 6 a.m. and I've done like 20 fucking things. I'm like, bullshit. <laughs> um, but I do, I do love reading about people's morning routines. I have recently gotten into um, the, what's it, is it called? You seem really the five minute, the five minute day or five journal? minute journal mm. with the grad, like the three Gratitude things journal, you're yeah. grateful for, for for that day, and like your affirmation for the day, and then at the end of the night, what your that has been like. I just started that um, January first, and that I've seen. You can actually feel the difference. Profound, just, isn't it? Yeah, just reflecting yeah. on the day and putting intention into the day, and it makes me. You know, we all have our things that we need to work on, but y- you can so quickly just kind of push them to the side and just putting focus on them. I've noticed such a difference. Um, I'm also big into like morning pages. Um, I love, I journal like most mornings, just stream of conscience. If you don't know what that is, look up morning pages. I think it's from Julia the Camp artist, for artist artist way. way. Yeah, which I've, well, I got to week 10, I didn't finish it. I should probably like do that one go again. Go back, go back. Yeah, yeah. But, so equally profound? Yeah, yeah. It just, it helps me. I'm very much in my head, and so it kind of helps me get out of my head. And um, I'm a very kind of uh, sometimes emotionally reactive person. An actor? What? (laughs) Um, And so it helps me, you know, some mornings I'll wake up already in a mood, and it helps me kind of figure out where's that mood coming from and, like, what's actually... Because sometimes it's just the stupidest shit. Like, you're carrying you know, the weight of, like, a movie you watched last night that, like, fucked with your head, and then you, but you wake up in a bad mood, and you're like, why am I in a bad mood? And you have this cloud, and then you were just, you write it out, and you realize, like, oh, it's just that, and then forget about it. Um, but those are, like, the two things that I do, at, like, almost every morning, and I work out in the morning. That's, I, I have to, like, work out within, like, the first, like, you know, I'll have breakfast, but yeah. straight to the gym. Otherwise... I, I can't work out at night. Me too. I probably worked out like five times at night in my entire life. It's and it feels so weird. It's like writing with your left hand. You're like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> Why am I here? But you don't want to. You said you made fun of, or not made fun of. Um, you highlighted cardio as something mm-hmm. that you're sort of moving away from. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still do it because sure, I think there's there's still getting benefits. Heart, yeah, but I really. Good have fallen in love with like strength training and, and weight training. And um, I did a movie, God, it's almost been two years, I guess a year and a half ago, where I was playing a female wrestler. And so for what? that, yeah. Amazing. As in like big time wrestler or like try and kick someone's ass wrestle? No, she, like she. Like Ronda Rousey sort of. Yeah, yeah, kinda, like she was. MMA kind of shit. I, I did my own stunts. Wow. Um, and uh, But so preparing for that, I had to do a lot of weight training. And that's when I really fell in love with it and saw the benefits and just felt, I felt so much better because 
I mean, I had crazy back problems. And once I started doing strengthening my core and doing the weight training, all of that went away. Um, because I think I didn't have the support to like hold my long lanky body up. Uh, but I think, you know, obviously so many women, I was one of them thought, oh, I don't want to lift weights because then I'll get big and bulky. And I learned after doing like, I did insane weight training, trying to put on this muscle mass. And yes, you can put on muscles, but it's fucking hard. hard. <laughs> so like for women who are terrified that like by lifting weights, they're going to get big and bulky. It's like you, you'll know if you're pushing yourself to that place because you like can't like you can't lift the weights. Yeah. Like it's, you have to be working with a trainer to be doing that much. And it's like, it, I don't know, my, my whole body shape has changed since I've started doing that in, in a positive way. Good. Um, but I think I'm just always telling women, I'm like, pick up weights, pick up weights. That's cool. Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna let you off the hook there. There's a couple, but this is just a way for me to get into a couple of things that are specifically about you. But I, we've tapped into this three or four times and it's been um, women. You are clearly a massive advocate. I'm a woman. Yeah, but I, I, I'm so inspired by the rise of the feminine. It's been a male, masculine culture for far too long, mm -hmm. and um, I'm seeking to learn as much as I can about it through conversations with you and others. Do you have a point of view on that? I mean, I know it's very vague, but like you clearly you have you're, you're working with women. Uh, young girls after school, trying to teach them about self-confidence. Maybe you can reflect a little bit on that, or some other women's issues, yeah. feminism that you're that you're leaning into. I I mean I think it's such an exciting time for women. I think I mean we have so much work still left to do, but I think as a culture, yeah, not just the women, yeah, absolutely. And uh, but I do think because of the internet, this is being one of the positives that there's so many more ways to spread that message to to talk about it and it was something growing up I was completely unaware of I did not realize that you know there was this inequality and that even as I started working in the industry I didn't realize that I was getting paid less and then I started dating an actor and saw how much he was making and I was like fuck you we're wrong? at the exact same level and why the fuck are you getting paid that much um but but you know I also um when I was in high school you know, the role models that were out there, you know, I mean, I was a fan of Britney, uh, but, but I didn't identify with her, you yeah. know, you know, the whole like sexy thing. And that was what society told me that that's how I should value myself is based off of my, like my sexual power and everything. And I remember when Avril Lavigne came out on the scene and I was like, what? Oh, yeah. I could wear dicky pants and a tie and <laughs> like wear like a lot of like black makeup. <laughs> and I, I remember that having such huge impact on me and because I did feel so uncomfortable in my own skin in high school because uh, I felt like I needed to act a certain way, but it wasn't what was natural to me. And so that's why I feel so passionate about working with girls in high school is to kind of show them that there, there, that there isn't just one way to be, even though society is telling you that like you have to fit in this mold, like fuck that, you can be whatever mold you wanna be, um, and kind of giving girls the confidence to, to explore that for themselves and figure out for themselves who they wanna be. Uh, it's something that I definitely am 
become very passionate about over over the years. I, I love it. There's a little, there's a fire in there for sure. Yeah. Um, you mentioned April. Other people that you think are crushing it that you like or that are inspirational to you? I mean, I'm like anyone who's just kind of doing it themselves their own way. And I think there's so many women who are doing that now, which is awesome. There isn't just because I feel like when I was a kid, it what for me it was just it was just Avril. Yeah. Um, but uh, but now you know with like the Lena Dunham's and even like the Jennifer Lawrence's and like the Sophia Maruso, like yep. you know, there's just these so many there's, and that's what I love about the internet. Like you go on Instagram now, and I'm like, man, I would have been such a cooler kid, like had this been around, <laughs> like knowing that I could have like skipped all of that, like. I felt like a sheep in high school. I was, I was just trying to follow the herd and fit in, yep. and uh, and kind of, you know, quiet my like awkwardness. And uh, and now I just let my freak flag, f- freak flag fly. Say that fast. No, it's a hard one. I'm not gonna because I just yeah I. Identify with that in high school. I actually was wildly creative in my head, and as a human, I felt it in my body. Mm-hmm. And yet, being creative was very weird. I was from like. Did you suburbs. struggle with? Because because you're you're an attractive human being. Thank you. Were you, and I assume you were attractive in high school. Did you did you struggle with kind of people's how people saw you on the outside versus how you felt on the inside? I, it was less about my physical appearance because I didn't really not, wasn't cognizant of that. I think, um, maybe it's a woman for, thing. Yeah. I think it's a woman thing. I think I also had friends that were much handsomer that, so that, that the spotlight would always be on them or that the, the way that I processed it was m- more about, um, the culture, like what is, what fits in because that's the thing that I need to do. Right. And being an artist or creative was not, you know, I went to... Well, uh, and that for a male. Yeah, for a male. It's like literally what's the thing that is... And being the captain of the football team and dating the cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing that was expected. And so like, great, I'm going to do that. And fortunately, I was a good athlete, so I could, I just picked that up. Right. And I, it, it's, it was so... It was painful to have said, I was really good with that for a long time. And then as a young adult, specifically when I was sort of helping myself understand who I was and as we, you know, loss of innocence and all that stuff, it's just like, wow, I was really pretending. Like, and it's fine. I, 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 I recovered, mm-hmm. but that's the thing. I was definitely pretending. Mm-hmm. I was pretending. And it feels weird to pretend. But that you're you're hitting it now. Is that that's one of the reasons that you're going back to that age for women to help them? Is that? Yeah, because it was it, what I struggled with was I was getting so much male attention because of my outsides and just like atten- attention that I wasn't comfortable with, and uh, and that I didn't feel like matched what how I felt on the inside because people saw, you know, one thing on the outside, but on the inside I felt weird and awkward and had a weird sense of humor. But like, that's not what goes with like that on the outside. So like I, 
always felt like I wanted to like do this, but I had to do this. Got <laughs> if it. that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's great. I, For I, those people listening to the audio, they have no idea what I yeah. said. <laughs> yeah, this and this. We're totally disrespecting you. It was like have a dance party instead of just sit with your hands quietly. Yeah, quietly. exactly. Um, but even when I moved to L.A., I, it, I remember trying to fit into this idea of what an actress was. You know, I, I was, like, obsessed with the tabloids. And, like, that was when, like, Lauren Conrad had her reality TV show. And so that was my introduction to Hollywood. It was like, okay, so big sunglasses, venti Starbucks cups, oversized purses. And I totally fell into that trap of playing How, that. how painful and hard felt is that to look back on that and just say how... It's actually, like, when I look back at photos of myself then, it's I've almost blacked a lot of that out yeah. because it's it's just, it was such a weird time. Even the, the friends that I chose and the lifestyle, like, that's when I saying I used to smoke. That's yeah. when I smoked. Like, I was a vegan who smoked. <laughs> just like, but they were American spirits, so they were, like, natural. Um, but, like, such a fucking hypocrite. And yeah. so I just remember you know, waking up one day being just like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. Like, that's so not me. Like, I, I did, I, that's not, I was such a, you know, I, I was a goody two-shoes as, like, a kid. Like, the fact that I was, like, smoking and, like, just getting fucking wasted and just part, you know, and that's part of growing up and, like, learning those things. Yeah. But I look back at that time and just, you know, the way I dressed and everything. But and that's one of the reasons that I'm talking about this because I don't, there's not, a, there's no long-form like programming there where you can talk about stuff like this. No, I've never Spe- spoken about this yeah, in like an yeah. interview. I, I deeply appreciate you going there. And that's, I think that's at the other end of this conversation is the reality that I'm trying to connect with the folks who are listening and watching because we've all been there. We're all awkward. We're all trying to just figure it out and get to the next thing and survive. You know, at first it's survive before you can even think of thriving It's surviving. Mm-hmm. How do you get through these ages? And it's just, it's just a myth that you don't have it that, you know, that someone else doesn't have these same problems. And so what can we do to talk about it? So that's a little, like... That, We're that, all that, fucked that'd up. Be good. We are. <laughs> we are. Except for you. <laughs> yes, I am not fucked You're up. You're not. I'm so perfect. You have Trudeau going for you. <laughs> you got you got Canada, if it all goes south. Um, what have I not asked you that I should ask you? Oh, God. It's a, no, it's a loaded question. but Yeah, that's like a huge question. I don't, yeah. I don't know. know. You ask great questions. I feel like... Like I said, I've talked about things I've never talked about in interviews before, which is so refreshing. I saw you on Conan, and you compared your the whiteness of your stomach <laughs> to the whiteness of Conan O'Brien's stomach. I'm a pale motherfucker. On, but I think he won the paleness contest. Didn't he, he did, but, but like if you look at the side by side, it's, it's frighteningly like that's like super close, and he's a redhead. Yeah. He's got something on you, yeah. Yeah, um, so. He's, he said, they have to put makeup on me so they can see me. <laughs> so funny. He's so funny. He's so funny. Um, all right, so uh, what else? What can, I, what can I ask you? I don't know. You, I don't, sure? That's like such a daunting question. There's, but mean, there's got to be something because basically the, this is on the backside of you saying, like, I've never said those things. And so you're, you're, you're open. You're saying it like it is. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I try to be an open book. You are. Brene Brown. Okay, let's that's, talk about That's it. one who, uh, when, I was, when I saw her TED Talk, the whole idea of vulnerability, that was like, that one hit me hard. And that was like a very, that's something that I like now strive for, but 
I really identified with everything she was talking about in her the books. New, just, yeah, the new um, feminine energy, that vulnerability as power, like that, you know, she, uh, I consider her a friend. She's been on the show two or three times. Yeah. And I, I learned so much in that moment, however many years ago, and that is part of why I'm pulling on this thread, trying to have strong women that I open the show mm-hmm. with, not women, oh my God, you're the only woman on the show, <laughs> but like just an amazing character that's, as you said, all you know, not all the cliche things and yeah. is a bunch of these other things. Um, what about, was it the vulnerability piece for Brene? Yeah, just because for so long I tried to appear as one thing because that's what I thought I was supposed to be. And this idea of that, when you expose, you know, in a safe environment and situation where you feel there's trust and everything, um, but that you expose those kind of darker things about yourself. That's, I mean... Shadow self and, yeah. Oh, my God. And because I I would hide all that stuff from, like, my closest friends, the things that I was struggling with. I just always wanted to appear like I had it together. I think because growing up, I mean, to really get into it, like, my, like... My my sister had brain surgery when she was six. She had this very rare disease, mm-hmm. um, and so when she was six, she she had to like have all like I mean for a year she was like in the hospital, and I was wow. three, and so um, yet I remember a lot of that time, and and because she was in the hospital for so long. I mean, that's a very formative year to miss out on like school, like forming friendships. And so it really kind of held her back a bit in life. And I, as a result, because things came easy to me, I felt guilty about that. And I, I, I really tried to kind of, that's where the kind of like making myself less than comes from. But then also I saw the joy it gave my parents when I did well at things and not faulting them. I like yeah, that's sure. my own projection on things and they never did anything, but it's, it's There's clearly some tension there, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. And I, I then, so I, I realized that people valued when I, when I did well at things. And so I had this addiction to perfectionism because if I failed, then people would think I was bad and I wouldn't make people happy. And it really, it, you know, this is this is all through a lot of therapy that I realized all this <laughs> shit. But it was, it it really was um, kind of eye opening, realizing that I had been hiding the things that I had been struggling with from everyone, and that I was just battling all these things in my head on my own. And once I started opening up to people I really trusted about these things. And them being like, oh my God, me too. <gasps> Jesus yeah. Christ. Like it, so much healing in just that one conversation and yeah. having such closer relationships with my friends and family as a result of that. And I mean, it really changed my, my life. I, it sounds dramatic, but it really, it really did. It changed all of my, my friendships and my relationship with myself and now I'm like kind of addicted to like vulnerable conversations <laughs> and I just feel like I didn't really hang out with a friend unless we really got into like what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, Brene, thank you for sharing that. If you haven't watched 
uh, I've, I have two separate shows with her there. I've seen them. Okay, awesome. I, <laughs> big fan. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of hers, and she has she seemed like she was very seminal in starting that know, movement. Is not right the right words. I don't know if she would categorize it as such, but just there's a there's a whole genre of sort of vulnerability, the feminine energy, and how that can help shape our culture in a positive way, and especially down at this time in our culture where things are so turbulent, mm -hmm. um, there's never been a better time. So I'm gonna go circle all the way back now, and as that character, and uh, as one of the two cool. female characters on the show, I think you've done a really awesome job. You've impacted that part of the sort of the feminine energy that's not all those cliche things, and I wanna say nice job. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, I'm gonna also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna say, if you are watching this right when it drops or listening to it right when it drops, um, the, sh the series, we don't even know what date it is. It's either April 23rd <laughs> or 24th, so whatever the Sunday is. One of the Sundays. I'll, I'll give you a short backstory before we wrap up. Oh, and I'm leaning it to see if like, am I in your shot again? <laughs> am I in your shot yeah, again? me too, me too, <laughs> me too. Um, I I don't remember. Um, I started following you on Twitter. I think I followed most of the cast. And then I realized that you were following me. And I was like, oh my God, that's awesome because this woman is awesome. And at some point, we're going, to, um, we're going to meet. And I don't remember where we started corresponding on Twitter, but I'm super grateful. I remember where it was because I had been watching The 30 Days of Genius, oh. which I was obsessed with. And I watched all of them. And I, I had tweeted about one of them, or maybe just a general tweet about how much I fucking love the 30 Days of Genius. And then you tweeted me back, and I, it was like as if like Tom Cruise had tweeted at me. Like I was just. Is this where I jump on the couch? <laughs> no, I like, <laughs> but I remember like calling up my boyfriend, like, Chase Jarvis just tweeted at me. <laughs> like, just freaking out. He's like, Who's Chase Jarvis? I'm like, You, I've told you about him. <laughs> but I, I, I remember, I like, I totally geeked out over that. And that's what's been so cool about the show is like, I've been able to meet, you know, obviously, like, actors are exciting to me, but I've gotten to, to interact and, and meet some people in that space that. Yeah you know, I really, like, really admire, and I feel so fortunate that I, re I recognize that, you know, the show has given me that opportunity, and it's such, like, it's been such a gift to me. Well, you wear it super well. Thanks. It's super fun to watch, <laughs> and I'm a huge fan. It's super funny. Season four of Silicon Valley, HBO, Amanda, your, your handle is Amanda C., yeah, for Catherine, my middle name. Someone took Amanda Crew, so Amanda okay. C. Crew. Amanda C. Crew. It almost like I, I DM'd with someone who wasn't following me, and I was like, "Wait a minute, she was following me two weeks ago," and to set up this show, and it, it bounced because apparently Amanda Crew, oh, whoever has Amanda Crew, is not you. You gotta look for the blue check, yo. Okay, got it. I know I'm <laughs> slow. Um, it's like you're new to tech. Amanda C. Crew. <laughs> on Twitter and all of the stuff. You can follow her. She is fantastic and amazing and fun and engaging. And thank you for being you. Thanks for Signing off. Me. There's another show coming up soon. It's probably going to have someone who's not quite as awesome. Ooh. But actually now the person who's going to watch this is like, wait a minute, like I'm the next what show the and I wasn't as awesome as Amanda? <laughs> anyway, signing off. I love you people. Have a good one.
All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say A, a huge thank you. B, let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this. Also, uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.